0: So it can be a good planning tool, but just knowing the clarity and what exactly it's doing and how you get there is very, very important. And I don't think that is unpacked enough when this stuff is presented to individuals as a, as a solution. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Brian Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions
1: so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Today on the show, we're going to talk to you about life insurance. It's, uh, it's something that's polarizing for people. I think everybody has an opinion, and oftentimes it gets a bad rap for many people. So. We want to answer the question, do retirees really need life insurance? That's the goal today on Perfect Game Retirement. Welcome in. I'm Ben George. He's Ryan Ledden, president and financial coach over Black Oak Asset Management. And, you know, Ryan, life insurance is a a topic uh, that you're familiar with. So it makes perfect sense that we're talking about this today.
0: Yeah, hopefully people just didn't tune in because they saw the word life insurance in the heading because, like you said, it it gets drugged through the mud a lot because, again, it gets oversold. Overpromised a lot of times. And yes, that was my my first job in the industry was mainly doing that, which is not uncommon for a lot of people in my position as an advisor. So yes, I know know plenty about the topic, but it is a very important tool when it comes to planning, but uh, it definitely has some some nuances that we definitely need to discuss.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about those nuances, some other strategies you might not think about for using life insurance, whether or not whole versus universal life is better and just what, what are Ryan's clients typically doing with life insurance. We'll run through those things today. We also have a mailbag question we'll dip into and answer as well. You can send those in to us, blackoakam.com. And also getting to know you question for Ryan to close out today's show. So life insurance, ironically, is actually a young man's game. You know, the perception among many people is that your need for life insurance is going to decrease and maybe even become completely unnecessary as you get older. But is that really the case? I mean, can retirees benefit from life insurance? So that's what we want to explore today. And I want to just kick it off with kind of what you touched on to start the show, Ryan. And it's why, why does life insurance get this bad rap? Why, why do a lot of people... Think of it as a dirty word, almost. Yeah, it does, because
0: uh, the, the point I mentioned it it gets oversold way, way too much. Because, and I, I'm stereotyping here, but there's a lot of people that are new in the industry who sell this stuff, and they need to make, they need to make money, <laughs> they need to survive, and that's uh, the the highest commissions are paid out on a general whole life policy. Now we'll get into the nuances of the differences, but. I'm not poo-pooing on on whole life insurance. Uh, It can definitely serve a purpose and can be, like I said, an important estate planning tool. But because it gets oversold, it gets compared to investments, which is a big no-no. It's completely different. It is not an investment. It is insurance. But it's kind of portrayed that, oh, it can you know, depending on how it's constructed, it could participate in gains in the market and with no downside, Um, which, you know, again, that gets, there's more to that story than, than just that statement there. But, and then some people look at it after 10 years, 11 years, and they're like, oh my gosh, the cash value is about the same of what I put into it. This thing hasn't grown at all. I could have put this in a money market and it had been better off. So I, I see that, but that's where, that's where people who sell life insurance, uh, they need to really hammer home that this is a long-term play. It is not a short-term. That money needs to get in there and it needs to sit for a long period of time. If that can be accomplished, it can be a, a really good planning tool. But people get impatient, uh, they want to cash it out, they don't like paying the premiums. You know, they get into year 12 or 13, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm still paying the premium on this thing. And you just gotta keep reminding people, look, this is how long we laid it out to pay into it. Some of them are your entire life. Some of them are over a certain period of time, but you have to just keep reminding people why they did it. So, and and, and that's why it gets, it's a cuss word, if you will, just like annuities. Uh, you get that word it's like, oh gosh, well, pensions an annuity, you know, people are so proud of their pension. I'm like, well, it's an annuity. It's the same thing. It's the exact same concept. So it can be a, a good planning tool, but just knowing the clarity and what exactly it's doing and how you get there is very, very important. And I don't think that is unpacked enough when this stuff is presented to individuals
1: as a as a solution. Yeah, well, let's unpack it a little bit here and kind of help people understand the process that you go through, and how you help people determine how it fits into their overall plan. So, you know, when you're working with someone, yeah, you know, what what are we looking for in order to determine you know whether or not I even need life insurance at all?
0: Yeah, most oh gosh, this is a pretty blanket statement. Most people need it. Um, you, it depends on the stage of life that you're in, but. You have debts, like if God forbid something happens, I mean the, the <laughs> they named it life insurance, they didn't name it death insurance. So I don't think anybody would buy it if they call it death insurance, but life insurance uh, is important. It's important to take care of your family if something, God forbid, were to happen to you. So if you have any debts, Mortgage, consumer, student loans, you name it, that needs to be definitely taken care of. Obviously, burial costs or whatever you choose to do, whether it's cremation, ceremony, whatever. I heard, it's funny, we were talking about this. I heard on the radio this morning that uh, costs for funerals are up uh, 15% year over year. I'm like, good grief, that's higher than college tuition uh, inflation. So that's gonna cost money. Um, you you wanna leave something behind for your spouse. So maybe they take some time off of work and not have to go immediately back to work. So when you start paying for those things and then kids for college, I mean, the life insurance goes really, really fast. And so a million dollar policy, that can be gone in the blink of an eye. I know that a lot depends on the debts that you have in the mortgage, but. Get as much as you can. Uh, that's affordable. That is uh, that is essentially what I say because it is really taking care of your family and leaving a legacy. Now, that's where most life insurance is sold. But again, it can be an estate planning tool uh, for individuals. Now, the estate tax is pretty high right now. So it hasn't been as big of a need. But if that comes down, um, then I think You're going to see whole life come to the forefront a good bit more. But right now you can give a married couple, you can give over $22 million and avoid any estate tax. So it's like most people are underneath that. Um, But if you're you're over that, then life insurance could help pay for that estate tax because those estate tax rates are pretty high. You could fit life insurance into probably almost everybody's situation. It's just whether or not they want it or see that
1: it's a need. Okay. Well, let's assume that they do see it's a need and they decide they want it. How do you determine then at that point how much to get? What's the right amount to cover you?
0: Yeah, and, and talking, you know, Dave Ramsey says 10 times your income.
1: Uh, that, that
0: could be a tool. I, I don't think just giving a blanket statement, which I know he has to because he's talking to 15 million people. There, there's a lot of math you can do to really come up with that plan. I mean, you can factor in, like I mentioned before, mortgage costs. You can factor in what college tuition rates are going to be depending on the ages of your kids purchasing power of a certain income that this life insurance could produce uh, for the one, for your spouse that you leave behind. So there can be a calculation that is done to an exact uh, amount. And usually that exact amount is usually higher than 10 times your income. So, you know, Dave Ramsey uses that number because you take that money, you invest it, uh, and then you get your rates of return that he talks about. Sometimes that's not always the, the case and how it works out. So... If you're insurable, um, get it because you could get a 20-year term, a 10-year term, a 30-year term, especially the longer you go out a 30-year term. Think about a 30-year term and a million-dollar policy. Well, 30 years from now, a million bucks is not gonna do a whole lot (laughs) compared to what it does today. So you do have to factor that in, like, I may not, this may not happen, this may not ever happen, but if it does, it could be a long time from now, and the purchasing power of that original death benefit is is not going to purchase nearly as much now with life insurance you can always take that number down so if you get to a certain point and you're like i don't need a million or i don't need two million uh let's cut that down by 20 or 30 percent you can always go down life insurance companies they don't care but they don't want to go up if you go up then you have to go through underwriting again so and underwriting health is, health can change um and so underwriting is been a lot more strict. Actuary tables have actually gone down, meaning people's life expectancy is actually starting to shrink a little bit. Uh, it's been going up for decades, and now it's kind of flattened out and actually slightly gone, uh, gone down. So life insurance costs have actually gone up uh, a little bit. So uh, determining the right amount, it can be a very definitive calculation. But if you want to just a quick answer, okay, 10 to 12 times your income is probably best.
1: Good general answer. But again, always want to sit down with someone that can plan that out for you and figure out exactly what you need. Um, now, we, we kind of get an idea. We kind of know what, what life insurance or how it's used, but you've been around it for a little while. What are some of those strategic uses that we might not be thinking about or just might not be obvious to some people? Mm-hmm.
0: So funding a trust could be one through, through whole life insurance. Uh, I mentioned if your net worth is really high and you get a whole life policy because you don't know when you're going to die. And that whole life policy can be an influx of capital to help pay any estate taxes that have to be paid above and beyond. Like I mentioned before, 22 million plus is a very, very high number, but it's been as low as 500,000 uh, during our lifetime. So as that number potentially creeps down, that's a, that's a huge estate planning tool uh, to to look at. So we've talked about that. Life insurance can create income while you're alive. And there's so many different ways to structure a whole life policy, but if it builds up cash value, and if it builds up a significant amount of cash value, you can start pulling um, your principal amount out because the principal amount is not taxed. Uh, if you start taking gains out, then that could potentially um, trigger taxes. But if you take your, your principal amount out or, Uh, If you take out loans against the cash value, then you can create an income that way. And loan is not taxable income. So that's where a lot of advisors use whole life insurance to create income. Not necessarily with a death benefit, but they create a tax-free income because loans aren't taxed. That's not, it's not an income, but it is money in your checking account every single month. So how you structure that, it's gotta be done right. And essentially, if you die, that loan needs to be paid off. Well, that loan is paid off by the death benefit proceeds on the contract. So you you don't wanna take out too many loans or too much loans because the death benefit won't cover it. So if the death benefit covers it, whatever is left over, then the beneficiaries receive any death benefit above and beyond that. So it's very similar to like spending your death benefit while you're alive to create an income. So there are ways to do it. Again, needs to be structured properly. Uh, when I say structure properly, you need to be able to stuff in as much money as you can with the lowest death benefit possible. Now I'm getting into the weeds there, but you don't want a ginormous death benefit because your cash value will not grow a whole lot because the insurance costs are so high because the death benefit's so high. You want a low death benefit and stuff in as much money as you can. That's how the cash um, builds quicker. Uh, then the death benefit will eventually start moving up as that cash value uh, moves up. Again, a little bit into the weeds there, but uh, if it's structured properly, it can be a useful tool uh, from an income standpoint.
1: Some very good information there. Um, absolutely helpful for sure. Um, all right, last last thing on this life insurance discussion, and you kind of you've hit on it a little bit through our conversation. But how does that d- discussion between the term, the whole, and the universal life insurance? How does that go with your clients typically?
0: Yeah, recapping really quick. I mean, term again, that's the highest death benefit for the amount of premium that you want to pay, and usually that premium is pretty cheap. A lot depends uh, everything depends on your age and your insurability so when you go through underwriting if you get rated well that just increase your costs because there's more risk taking on by that insurance company for whatever reason so uh, i get rated because most insurance carriers look at family history and my mom passed away before the age of 60. that's a red flag Uh, so if, if you have Uh, parents who have died at an earlier age, whether it's cancer, heart disease, they will take that into consideration. So knock on wood, I'm a healthy guy, but I get rated. And so my premiums are automatically higher uh, because of that. So they look at a lot. They look at family history, obviously your own history, doctor records, they'll go back and look at. Then you just kind of sit and wait and see what kind of uh, underwriting decision they make. And then once the the policy is uh, potentially issued, you accept it or reject it, and then you just pay that premium for on a monthly basis or a quarterly, semi-annually, or annual. If you pay it on an annual basis, it's a little bit cheaper than paying it on a monthly basis, but you can get it automatically uh, drafted. But again, after a certain period of time, it just stops; it goes away. So that's why it's so cheap, because actuarially speaking, that insurance company is never going to pay a death benefit. But again, it's covering the catastrophic event uh, in case something happens to you at an early age. Whole life, exactly what it means, whole life. It covers you for your whole life. So no matter if you die at 20 or you die at 100, it's going to pay off. Again, so the premiums are higher. Usually the death benefit is not as much just because of the costs. And whole life insurance can build uh, cash value inside of it if you get a whole life policy that has a really high death benefit the cash value grows in there but the death benefit doesn't move like it's going to stay if you got a million dollar whole life policy and you're putting money in there and the cash is building up inside of it the million dollars stays at a million bucks and if you die the cash value goes away you get your beneficiaries get the million dollars so some people like oh my gosh why would he want to even do that well Again, it does build up cash. You can take some of it out if you need to, but it's another savings vehicle, I guess you could say. Uh, But it's mainly for a death benefit at any stage of your life that people want it covered uh, for whatever expenses. Universal whole life is more where you put in, you pay for a premium and it's kind of based off of stock market returns, like you follow an index. And so if an index produces a certain amount of returns, you get a certain amount up to a certain point, and then it stops. So a cap, could, the, the, the top end could be like a 10% cap, but there's no downside, meaning if the market goes down, you just get credited zero. But if it does 30, you only get 10. So there's kind of you know, ceilings and floors associated with that. Again, there's a lot of nuances with that, but that's, that's kind of the differences between the main three types of, of life insurance policies that are out there and sold.
1: Well, there's a lot to know about life insurance, right? And, you know, you can see why it can be confusing for a lot of people, why some people might just avoid it altogether. And uh, that's why we wanted to kind of bring it to your attention. You know, do retirees really need life insurance? Well, you know, there's a good chance, but you want to sit down with a, a financial professional and figure that out for sure. And then once you kind of determine whether or not you want it and need it, then you can determine which policy is best and and how much you want to invest in that. So uh, always good to sit down with someone. Ryan can be found online at blackoakam.com. You can schedule your retirement coach 360 session there. And of course, with his background in in insurance, he can be very helpful in that. But with all of your planning needs, he could be there for you as well. We got a mailback question that came into the show this week that we want to get to before we close things out. This one came in from Bill. It says, what happens to the money in my 401k after I retire? Do I have to roll it over to a different account or can I just leave it there? Well, Bill, you certainly uh, can leave it there. Uh, sometime,
0: a lot of times it's, it's just easier when you start taking income. It's usually just more efficient to take it out of an IRA that's just in your name. It's not with a, a previous employer at a different custodian. You can just roll it over to an IRA. That way you have direct access to it. Not that you don't win a 401k, uh, but just sometimes 401ks, depending on the custodian, it can just be a little clunky. But if you roll it to an IRA, you can get all that set up. You have, you have unlimited investment options. And more times than not, rolling it to an IRA is going to be a more efficient cost. There's usually more costs baked into a 401k plan because you're paying for custodian you're paying for an advisory firm more times than not you're paying for a tpa a third-party administrator who helps with all that so there's a lot of people you're paying behind the scenes in a 401k plan so i would roll it over to an ira you can certainly leave it at a 401k but rolling it to an ira that way uh, it's just easier to control your required minimum distributions that you have to take um if you're you know definitely when you retire rolled over. If you're still working and you're past age 72 and you're still working, put everything in your 401k because you don't have to take required minimum distributions if it's in your current 401k. As soon as you retire and rolled over to an IRA, okay, required minimum distributions uh, start. But if it's your current 401k and you're still working and RMDs come around, shoot, leave that money in there. Um, You have the ability to roll it out even if you are working there at that age, but leave it in there. That way RMDs are not required. Uh, especially if you have Roth money inside of a 401k. Roth 401ks have RMDs associated with it. If you roll it out and put it in a Roth IRA, you have no required minimum distributions. It's only on the pre-tax money that you have in your 401k or IRA that you owe required minimum distribution. So the long and the short of it, Bill, I'd roll it over to an IRA. Again, easier use, uh, cheaper,
1: unlimited investment options. So I would roll it over to an IRA. Very good question, Bill. Thanks for sending that in to us via the website, blackoakam.com. All right, before we get out of here, a little getting to know you question for Ryan. Who would you want to be the narrator of your life? This is so easy of a question. Are you gonna, Let me you, ask you, What? who would I, you pick? I, I was going to say the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is Morgan Freeman. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, easy. I mean, if you don't
0: watch Shawshank and not get mesmerized <laughs> by his voice in that movie... Yeah, it's a no-brainer. So I started thinking, okay, if it's not Morgan Freeman, um, you know who would I go from there? Um, I've heard Matt Damon uh, do some narration in movies. I think he would be pretty good. Um, the the what, whoever the movie guy, I don't know his name, the one who does it all the trailers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty good one. And I'm drawing a blank on the other gentleman, Field of Dreams. Who's the um, oh uh, Costner? Gosh. No, 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 no. The um, Oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah The I author.
1: About. Um, oh man, now I'm blanking on it too. <laughs> this is terrible.
0: This is what happens when you do live, uh, live recordings. <laughs> uh, James, James Earl Jones. James Earl yeah. Jones. Thanks for saving me on that one. Yes. <laughs> um, he would be a good one too, but Morgan Freeman jumps out. Then I would probably say James Earl Jones, uh, is probably, uh, probably
1: next in line. Have you ever flown through the Birmingham airport? Gosh, probably. Okay. I don't remember. Um, If you're flying out of Birmingham, you always connect through Atlanta, but very Mm -hmm. very often, uh, very frequently, it does not happen in return. But the voice on their uh, speaker system is like, you know, if you see a bag unattended, Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you report it. It sounds exactly like Morgan Freeman. (laughs) I don't know if it was him, if they got him to record it, but that voice is just on loop and you hear it and it's like immediately, is that Morgan Freeman that's talking right now? That's awesome. Yeah. So just if you ever fly through there, uh, keep an ear out. See if you think the same thing. They spare no expense, man. They hired Morgan Freeman for their voiceovers. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's great. All right. Well, we got to close that on that note. We appreciate you listening. (laughs) Uh, to the podcast, Perfect Game Retirement. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You can do that on any of the major podcasting apps, any of those platforms, whatever you listen on. You'll find us there. Hit subscribe. That helps us out a lot to continue growing and spread the word to a friend that wants to learn more about financial planning, retirement planning, and I think this show will be very valuable for them. So help us spread the word and continue to grow the show. Ryan, thanks for the time today. And we'll look forward to talking to you here in a couple of weeks.
0: Absolutely. Enjoyed it. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, And learn more
1: about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.